Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do. No, we don't. A donkey eat eating. A donkey eat a pellet. <laughs> he was massive. <laughs> Legs, ass, fit. But I burst out laughing watching him. <laughs> We have to start with that unbelievable game yesterday. Like, I mean, um, sorry to start with you, Paul, but what a win for Cork. Like, I mean, yeah. it has to be said, this is a team that threw away a six-point lead against Limerick two years ago and came out in extra time and lost the extra time. Yeah. And, like, I mean, they threw away a six-point lead, a goal, devastating goal, last kind of shot of the game. Yeah. And to be turned over. Mm. Like, I mean, what character they showed. And, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to, like oversell this but that's a massive massive win for Cork Yeah it's huge and like you said from the character point of view it's the big thing you know we all know the Cork (coughs) players have the hurling and you know they have the skill they have the fitness but it's the character and the game ebbed and flowed you know Kilkenny actually got the better start and took off and I was kind of looking at it from a Kilkenny point of view I was thinking this is a good start from Kilkenny they're going to push on Kilkenny even kind of half threatened for a goal or so and I was thinking right they might get a goal here but Cork came back into the game and then Cork pushed out into the lead and like you said once that goal came at the end I was thinking right the momentum is with Kilkenny because all the Cork players hit the ground and the hands were on their heads yeah. and you know understandably it was just such a blow at that stage last puck of the game but from the come out an extra time and do what they did the character they had was just I mean they have to be commended for it because I think a lot of people would have jumped on them straight away and would say, ah, oh, typical Cork. But it's not. You know, they're a much better team than what we've traditionally seen with the character over the last few years. And for the steel of them to come out and do that, I mean, they deserve huge credit. It was a brilliant performance. It, it, it's often said, Damien, that the team, you know, that gets the late equaliser, you know, have their tails up and stuff like that for the extra time. It didn't, like, when I looked down at the pitch, like the stadium was in shock, Damien. Patrick Horgan after missing that sixty-five, and it was a terrible effort at it. Mm. And he dro- he dropped down to his knees, and I was thinking to myself, Jesus, how will they recover from this? And they absolutely did. Yeah, it was a and it was a sucker punch. I mean, straight up with you, like it, it was nearly a case, lads, watching it that um, Cork didn't need everything to try lose the game. Do you know? And so did, but no, I'd say myself. They, they got a sucker punch Mullen got an unbelievable goal 
Porrig Welsh, unbelievable pass. Uh, Mullen put it to the left-hand side of the goalkeeper, which, Colin, I've often said to you, is the opposite side to his, uh, where his boss of the goal you heard was, right? But, yeah, I'd love to know what was said inside in that court restroom at the end of the match because Kingston and his management team had to get devised, regroup them and get them to believe again. And the truth of it is, I think myself that if there was another 10 minutes left in that Cork game at the end, Cork were willing to stay running and running and running. Their fitness levels are incredible. So they are. And the Jack O'Connor goal in the extra time was a real sucker punch for Kilkenny and Brian Cody. So it was. And um, I really enjoyed watching Cork hurling uh, yesterday, I thought they took on Kilkenny the way they don't like to be taken on. So they didn't. They they deserve to be in the All Ireland. They deserve their their credit. So they do. And uh, there'll be no pushover either for Limerick. No, no, they probably won't. What would they have said in that uh, halftime or the, in the at the end of the match, mm. Paul? Because the Rock said that the players took over. Yeah. And then I was thinking a very natural kind of you know motivation would be now is the test is this t- like you mean your yeah. test your character has been tested you know what happened two years ago this is a huge turning point for this team yeah uh, like first of all they had the proof to say look we were six points ahead um, 63 minutes gone playing better playing better you know we were on top this is back on us this is back on the team and I'd say they probably would have I, I could be wrong but if I was the management I'd be saying lads Shane Kingston came on the 42nd minute and he, I think he got five points was it in the normal time I'd be saying look lads forwards that's you know, if he can do that, you should be good. Because the forwards in the extra time, Jack O'Connor and these lads, they were unbelievable. And the, the confidence of them, they got three or four points even when Declan Dalton came on extra time from out on the sideline um, near the 65. And as soon as they struck it, I was in the Hogan stand, I was going straight over the bar. There was near confidence about them. But like you said, I think it was maybe the history coming back and saying, listen, we can relive that or we can go out in the second half here, two sets of 10 minutes, leave everything on the pitch and lads, you know, what have we got? We're going to be in an All-Ireland final. That's the play. And like, the fact that they had, I think, the the extra time, that it wasn't going to replay the following week. You know, yeah. they had this momentum. Go, right lads, it's in front of us now. Get back out there and win it. Whatever they said, it worked. And their attitude was exceptional then in, in, in extra time. It was. And Tim O'Matney was excellent in extra time, Damien. Like, I mean, he deserves an awful lot of credit because he... I, look, there's two parts of me saying, Jesus, Tim O'Matney, get it down the field. But then if you'd got it down the field and gave away the possession, you might be given out. It's hard to be too critical of him. You'd give James Bergen the huge credit for not giving up. Not giving up and chasing yeah. him down when that game was over. And like, that's Kilkenny. Yeah. And then he tried to buy himself a yard and tap it off the ground. And then it went to Porrick Walsh into... into to Mullen and a goal like I mean it's it's incredible stuff but Tim O'Matney never let his head drop it he was outstanding in extra time Damien and that says an awful lot probably well, about his character as well Yeah well look at Colin they trained so long and they trained so hard they were probably saying to themselves that they're not just going to throw in the towel like this and Tim O'Matney look he, he was coming out with the ball he should have thrown out I think if you, if you go back into the game you'll see that he should have thrown out the hand pass a simple hand pass that Kingston was outside but look he didn't and as you said, the Kilkenny lads took it back off him and Parik Welch gave the brilliant pass into Mullen and it was a goal. But look, it, it was character that was needed and it was lads that had to be defined in the Cork setup to say, look lads, enough is enough. We have to put our stamp on this game and we'll absolutely give it everything. And it's gas. You know, certain things happen in games, you know, that can often benefit a player, right? But Cork brought on Cadigan and brought him on Cork forward. And when he was coming on, I said to myself, geez, I hope your man, uh, Jack O'Connor, doesn't, isn't taken off now because he hadn't got going at this stage. And by Cadigan coming in corner forward, it let Jack O'Connor go out wing forward. And when he went to wing forward, oh my God, he opened up Crow Park. So even his first point uh, out the field was like a defiance to say, I'm not going to be taken off today. It was as simple as that. And the rake of the cork 
players tundered into the game. Once again, you had Patrick Horgan, 15 points from play, 6 from play. And then you had Kingston having to drop his own son, right? And maybe he didn't want to drop him. Maybe they have a thing in their management that it goes in a vote like this. But James, when Kingston came on, he put down some mark. The boy, Kilkenny just didn't like them, like them running at them. But all I have to say is, even all the Cork subs that come on, right, uh, they absolutely tore into the game. There was no settling down period. And I, I'll be honest, I was delighted for Cork. I was delighted that they, they got their chance and they're in Crow Park now. I think it'll be a good All-Ireland. Yeah, it was heroic stuff really. Like, I mean, in the extra time you'd have to say from Cork, like Robert Downey dispossessing TJ, the crowd mm. go mad. Have a problem with the Kilkenny crowd. Like, we might as well have been in Porky Keeve. It was a home game from Cork. Like, I mean, it must have been 70 or 80% of Cork there. You have a problem that they were too quiet, was too it? Too quiet or gave up tickets? Or I, it was just I, kind of quiet. Do you think it, it well, didn't sound 50 When the Adrian Mullen goal went in, I didn't think well, there was only a few Kilkenny people true. there. But no, I, like, Maybe they need more of a spark. Cork seemed seem to be, even though it was a draw, Cork seemed to be much louder. Well, they were. No, certainly, they, the Cork crowd were really there and they were, they were really behind um, You know, every little flick of a ball. And like you said, when Robert Downey came out and he really grew into the game, yeah. which was a huge thing. Like, I mean, he, he could fully go in there and say, right, I'm going to go Mark TJ and just keep the ball off him. But he didn't. Like, and a, a huge part of what I thought Robert Downey, he lifted the play players further up the pitch there was one puck out came down and he caught it and like you said the car crowd you know stood up once he did it he popped it out back into position but the dispossession was a huge one yeah. that was at a real vital time vital. and players were tired and he just came out stuck to him stuck to him saw the ball flicked it out and TJ went the other direction and he came out and that was a huge lift and sometimes backs do things that it's the equivalent of a forward down the other end getting a point or a goal. And that was a huge thing because he was just saying, I'm dominating my position. I'm dominating it here. I'm doing everything I can. It's down to you down the far end. And it was it was nearly kind of a coming of age for Robert Downey, you know, because there, there was a few, you know, at different times, as much as any player, there was a few questions here and there. But he stood up yesterday and he was enormous. And probably just because Shane Kingston scored what he scored, I, I think Robert Downey was man of the match really after that. Just out of his heroics, I thought, what he did in the full Yeah, back. and Mark Coleman in extra time, he dropped Walter Walsh with a shoulder, which yeah. I couldn't believe. Walter yeah, Walsh yeah. coming in the sideline, I'd say he was more than happy to meet Coleman with the shoulder and he fell. Yeah. And then he flicked it away from him for a goal chance. You know, I'm t- yeah. thinking of the kind of heroics, Tim yeah. Mahoney, just kind of all action hero like yeah and that's it and I'd always be saying to lads like never underestimate the power of that the flick the dispossession that someone's running through a goal and you just dispossess him dispossess him and the momentum turns you're after killing their attack and they did that but it was also the fact that they were working hard enough to do it you know they were running back they were filtering back to his players and there was a few blocks Adrian Mullen went for a goal can't remember who was it that came back across I think it could have been Downey again came across and Adrian turned back inside and he just got the flick and flicked it away and Cork went back on the attack again so all those small things they added up to an enormous kind of I suppose momentum for Cork Yeah and there was some brilliant I think Hugh Lawler had an unbelievable uh, block on I think it was Cadigan as well and Owen Murphy obviously I'm going to ask you about Owen Murphy's performance Damien because Paul says he's the greatest goalkeeper who's ever played the game getting (laughs) not biased (laughs) (laughs) but like I mean some of his saves like the save from uh, the the O'Connor goal chance it was such a good save you didn't even see the save yeah he's a a brilliant goalie and Colin Matthew you and I discussed this I'd say last year how good of a goalkeeper he is and he like Paul. You might be able to enlighten us in this. He play. Is it true he plays outfield for his club? Yeah, I've never. He's never played yeah, in goal. It, I've never seen him tug out in goal for for Limor. Yeah, because he he comes across as such a natural hurling player playing in goals. He, he's nearly like a sweeper mm. back there, and he's striking left and right. He's so like so. Uh, he's an unbelievable goalie. There's, there's without question. He deserves all the plaudits, and I, I'd say 
the discipline he has to his game is incredible between puck outs and shot blocking and his first touch and his strike and his everything. But I, I just have just one question, right? I don't want to be coming across Colin with the questions, but how did he end up in goals for Kilkenny if he plays outfield for his club? Was it a case that you were taking shots one day and next thing Brian Cody seen them and next thing was Chase, he's a good shot blocker, we'll throw him in goals. No, or, I think it's actually a funny story and it's it's a one you'd nearly even tell young lads to, I suppose, as a motivation. Like lads look at Owen Murphy now and they think incredible goalkeeper. He's played there his whole life, he's he's harnesses and all that. He plays outfield for Glenmore, he's on the freeze, he plays centre forward midfield, he's an outfield player. But Owen hopefully forgive me for saying this an under 14 Tony Forrestal didn't make the team I don't know if he made the panel under 16 same again didn't make the team didn't make the panel and I think made a conscious decision that you know what I could really make you know a good stab at going on the goal here and maybe I could get on the team right. now and again Owen might correct me on this but I remember seeing him when I was younger he was outside he would have been a year or two younger than me so he's a good club hurler but he's not good enough to get on the county just panel. missed it there was yeah. great players coming through and the positions he was going for at the time you know there was there was lads competing in those positions and maybe just didn't get to look in and he, he went on to the goal then for inter-county still playing outfield with the club and he came to minor and he won a minor All-Ireland on the goal I think it was 2008 it might have been he won a minor All-Ireland on the goal and but it was just the thing that he focused on the goal and said this is what I'm going to do and when I saw him coming in he you know he was sub keeper to David Herity for a while but when he came into training he'd be the first lad out on the pitch and he'd be putting pressure on Herity you know saying we should do this we should do that we should be doing these drills we should be doing those and coming up with creative ideas for different scenarios and you know when we were down one end doing drills Owen Murphy and Herity would be up the other end and to see the drills that they were doing it literally someone on one side taking a shot you'd save it sprint to the far side you'd have to save the next and it was back and forth and it was right. this idea that you know how hard can we work and he brought this professionalism to it and probably something that other people wouldn't have seen but that's the kind of anomaly of it he's out the field for Denmore but just made this decision I'm going in the goal minor under 21 this is how I'm going to stick my nose in for Kilkenny Right very good and like I mean he seems to have the, de- the, the Jack O'Connor goal chance like I mean you wouldn't see it in real time that he got a hurl on that and then yeah. the own or the the Cadigan one the Alan Cadigan one where he saved it and it popped up and he was able to catch it yeah. one one fault of his like you're tweeting he's the greatest goalkeeper of all time does he go route one too often like I mean there was one stage T, or there was, uh, TJ Reid was in midfield and someone else completely free I think Kenny might have got a point off it so like yeah. it's a but I think I was I was reading between the 60th minute and the 67th minute mm. he went long with six puck outs and they lost all six of them Okay yeah well, see, the, well definitely the, you know there's, there's an argument there that he could be going long what I would say with that and I'd be cr- critical more so of outfield players like if, if, if I was let's say when I was trying to give myself an option for Owen Murphy if, if he wasn't giving it to me or he wasn't giving it to someone else I would say the options weren't given to him out the field like when we were sitting in a stand and we looked down some of them might seem like clear cut options and some might be there and he mightn't see them but you know if if he had six long ones there, I'd be kind of saying at least the forward should be winning at least one or two of them. If they don't win six of them, I mean, yeah. that can't be back on him. When, but the momentum, the when the momentum's going against you, yeah, yeah. don't keep doing the same thing. Well, I also, suppose, yeah, yeah, don't keep doing the same things. But, you know, if we're, if we're talking about him in, in the light of other generations, other goalkeepers, this wasn't an argument for other goalkeepers. The long puck out was, was the options. Well, but yeah. I suppose we're down, we're gone down to it so far now that it's, we're critical of too much of the short puck outs or we're critical too much of the long puck outs and now keepers have to have it. But certainly, yeah, look, maybe it's maybe it's a legacy issue from Kilkenny that, you know, over the last few years, transitioning into when the pressure's on, don't be striking the long ball. Maybe that was a small bit of a, a legacy issue. It's hard to know, but 
Look, I, I didn't see they did a huge amount wrong in, the, in those times with the long pokeouts. Right. What, what do you think about Kilkenny in general, uh, Damien? Because, like, I mean, we, they go through the lines and they do play it around fairly well, but when the pressure comes on them, they go route one a good bit still. Would that be fair? Yeah, they, they definitely do. And uh, look, they, they were getting a little bit of, uh, I suppose, they were getting a little bit of progress and benefit all of it at the start. But I, I thought they needed to to get, we'll say, more of their key players on the ball like this. And when I say their key players, I'd have to probably say more of the Ballyhale players like this. And when it came, they, they, they put themselves under tremendous amount of pressure. I think, was it something like Cork scored seven points to one? Or so, it was something like this in the third period, as we call it. Like they put themselves under an off. And sometimes I think Kilkenny do awful amount of long-range shooting. And sometimes they score and sometimes they don't. I know Tip have a, a bit of a thought in, in that regard as well. But... um. I never like to see. I never like to see them bringing back on players that are after taking off. Does that mean that their panel isn't as strong as they would like it to be? Do you know, and I know it happened a good bit. Cork did a bit of it as well. So did, um, uh, but um, I, I thought Walter Walsh came on there. Uh, so he didn't. He we didn't solve him with a couple of balls. And I thought maybe he should just tap him over the bar. Say just, yeah, Richie Hogan. I, I still have this question mark about Richie Hogan. Like he was only good enough to come on for the last, the last bit of extra time, and next thing he scores a point and he gets onto a few balls. Is he not good enough to be? You know, I I don't know. I Kilkenny were hit and miss uh, this year. Even though, as I said to my wife yesterday, that like as disappointed as Kilkenny be this year, they won the Leinster and they won the league. Like. But you wouldn't be happy with that. Like, you'd have been disappointed to be Cork. Well, there, there's no doubt about that. Well, like, tell us about Richie Hogan then, because I, I was talking to someone coming home in the car yesterday and they were saying it's just a joke. It's a joke. And I was like, we don't know. He's got fierce injury problems. You know, mm. is that feeding into it? Because to me, looking at that going, how is he only getting, you know, yeah. if they didn't, go, didn't go to extra time, he wouldn't get on at all. This is it, know? yeah. I, I mean, I was looking at it and I was saying this game is made for Richie Hogan. To Has come he been on right? 40. Has he been right in what? Injury-wise. Like, Injury, he no, he's been carrying a few knocks here and there, but he is fit and he's been fit for the last few weeks and he's been, I mean, he wouldn't be on the bench if he wasn't fit or right. at least able to play half an hour, 40 minutes or whatever. But, you know, I was saying this game is made for Richie Hogan to come on. The ball wasn't sticking in the forward line. Richie would bring something different. You know, whereas the, uh, I suppose lads were playing fairly standard inside in the full forward line. They were playing their positions where you saw when Richie came on, he was coming out, he was asking questions kind of similar to what Patrick Horgan was doing. He was attacking the ball out in front, balls were breaking, got it. And he was he was electric when he came on, yeah. but for ten minutes of extra time. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I don't think that's fair on a player. If he wants to make an impact, give him enough time to make an impact. And as Damien said there, you know, Mossy Cohen came on at half time, fifty ninth minute was taken off, brought back on. I was going I think he was taken off again, was he? He, second he could have been, yeah. And I was there going, This is made for Richie Hogan to come on. I know I'm a club man of his, but I think a lot of people were saying it. I could hear people in the crowd around me going, because he warmed up, he put the helmet on, whoever they were looking to put him on for must have got a point and Richie went back up into the stand then with the helmet on sitting there jersey on ready to go and I was thinking no, if they have to put him on here soon don't wait till the game is gone and hope that Richie's going to do against Galway or like what he did against Galway in the, Le- in the Leinster final last year and, Yeah because Paul yeah. What, what, I, what I was thinking was right you know you, you had your man corner forward there Alan Murphy right and look I've played corner forward before like you don't need a pint scored like this and I, I was just saying like we were watching the match at home we were here like this is Richie Hogan togged here? Like the next time we seen him yeah. come out with the tunnel, so we did. And like I was saying, like would he not have been a better option there? You know, yeah. I, I, I'm only just giving an example. And next thing when he came on, he, he drove a wide, he scored a pint, he gave a pass. He actually looked yeah quite yeah. lively. 
So I think what, you, I just, what you're guaranteed with him is that he's going to get on the ball, which I think Kilkenny needed. For that alone, they needed a man to get on the ball. But again, I suppose hindsight is a great thing and maybe there's a bit of bias in me being a club man of Richie. But I think, you know, I was chatting to people afterwards and like you were saying, people were asking, you know, if he's fit, why isn't he on the pitch? Yeah, because yeah. it was clear Kilkenny needed something a small bit different and where Cork were willing to do it. Cork brought on the players that they felt at the time, we have to bring him on. And it was, you know, a few weeks ago we were talking about the selection, how Kilkenny used the bench against Wexford. I think Cork used it much better yesterday and they really, I suppose, showed faith in the players getting on Declan Dalton coming on and getting a few points. And I think that yeah. was that was a big difference that we're, we're probably not talking about. Well, it, well what the, obviously the change in the game was Kingston and Cadigan coming on. So Kingston came on in the 42nd minute because Kilkenny mm. had started yeah. the second half well again. Yeah. And Cadigan came on in the 47th minute. And Damien, you've obviously referenced this. So Cadigan came on in the corner. Jack O'Connor went out to the wing and he ran a yeah. muck out in the wing and he looks a much better option out there because he can skin yeah. lads and like and he doesn't have to run into dead alleys and the mm. big thing about Shane Kingston is from me watching it is he occupied Porrick Walsh and Porrick Walsh couldn't sweep Kilkenny had no sweeper yeah. really in the second half no. it looked but like Cork played all their forwards in the forwards who would have thought it Damien <laughs> like, I mean imagine yeah. imagine this heartbreaking uh, like realisation <laughs> that if you play six forwards and, up there the other team doesn't have a sweeper exactly and like Porrick Walsh was doing a sweeper for for Kikini in the first half, you know, even even though, as I said, Patrick Horgan was was going to town, so he was right. But as I said, Cadigan came on, Jack O'Connor came out to wing forward, so he did right. And I, I know this, I know this from being a corner forward. Like Jack O'Connor, in my opinion, right, he's the fastest hurler in Ireland at the moment, without without question. Puts the ball in the hurl, he starts soul, his whole body's moving, head, shoulders, legs, everything. He's absolutely going 100 miles an hour, right? But the whole thing is, Colin, you can be the fastest player you want, but sometimes the ball doesn't come into the foot forward line. Mm, and when yeah. he got released out to wing forward, it was like a new lease of life. He was allowed to go on to breaks. He was allowed to go on to breaks. He was able to call for balls like this. And that made a huge difference. And Cadigan came in corner forward, even though Tommy Walsh actually had quite a good game on Cadigan at corner back like this. But Cadigan scored three points and could have scored a goal. And like Jack O'Connor isn't the finished article. When he went through and he pulled off that great save from Murphy, he actually should have laid off the hand pass in to Patrick Horgan that time, and it would have definitely been a goal. So there's you know, and Cork could have scored a couple of more goals. And we and we know we're after saying about the Murphy, the Kilkenny goalie, the great saves. But like if they did get them a few goals or even got one or two of them before, but it, it would have been a different story. But Cork were willing uh, to run at Kilkenny, and the more they ran at them, the more problems they caused them. Simple yeah. as that. There was a point in the second half, Paul, where it was really falling away from Kilkenny. Cork yeah. were on fire. And it yeah. was, like I said, there was no covering player. There was beautiful ball going in, like yeah. the Jack O'Connor goal chance. That was a, just a ball bounced in front of Cadigan, a layoff. Love. They yeah. were playing beautiful hurling, you know, yeah. weren't yeah. they? And like, I, you were, like, you were at the game, same as you. I couldn't believe it. In the first half, Patrick Horgan was standing inside on the edge of the square on his own. Yeah. And there was nobody inside the 45. Barrett and Jack O'Connor could have been on the 45 and everyone else is back. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. Cork ripped up that script and changed and just fucking yeah. played their forwards up there yeah. and stopped trying to copy other teams. They, they, yeah. they reminded me of Waterford in the first half, the way they were kind of set up. Yeah, they did. Mm. And, and, and as you saw, Kilkenny did get the better start. And like you said, they probably their tactics were a small bit negative. But then once they pushed up, like I thought bringing on Alan Cadigan, when I saw him coming on... Oh, he was fired up, wasn't he? He was fired up. And what's more, if I I've marked Alan Cadigan a few times and you know I've great time for Alan Cadigan because he brings this electricity to that Cork forward line and when he hurls well he's capable of serious things on a pitch and I suppose it just shows how competitive the Cork forward line is at the moment and it's what they need like to really reach an All-Ireland you needed to be competitive and lads pushing for positions but when he came on he went straight in and he hit Tommy Walsh a dunt and I was going to say if I was a back 
And that's the worst thing you hate seeing a cornerback. You know, you've been out on your feet running around after lad for 40 minutes, 45 minutes. And Alan Cadigan comes on and he's mad for it and he's mad for road. So I was thinking that was a great selection out of because now suddenly you're alert. Okay, Patrick Horgan's inside, but now you have Jack O'Connor out the field making these runs straight through. You can't take your eye off um, Alan Cadigan who's there. And one of the things then that I also allowed to free up was you could see then Shane Kingston started making runs in behind. And he was just pointing, pointing out to the way. So the space opened up for the Cork forwards then big time. And it opened up also because there was danger all over the place. Kilkenny yeah. were just smelling danger everywhere, no matter where you looked. And I, I really do think the bringing out of Jack O'Connor, that was something I didn't see coming. And the impact he had when he got out there. I think we were talking here last week of he probably had uh, add another string to his bow this was it because now we're looking at him going he can now run from deep not yeah. just like Damien was saying be starved inside in the full forward line instead start out around half forwards maybe get a point but also you're now sprinting through the middle and he did it twice and yeah. he got one goal and one great save which any other day probably would have been a goal so just the danger everywhere in the forward line with Cork was the huge difference in the second half that, that was the huge thing and Kilkenny not being able to get any cover and it was just Jesus Cork were just on fire we were talking about Jack O'Connor without overdoing this because we've talked about it the last two shows <laughs> is that when he's in corner forward you know he seems to go around the outside and come in the end line Damien and the end line is almost like an extra defender you know you, I was thinking Kilkenny will close that down and Tommy Walsh did very well on him but from wing forward that pace is it because Conor Callan went into midfield as well? There was a few different changes because Fitzgibbon came off. But Jack O'Connor, when he doesn't have that end line as an extra defender, it's like, Jesus, how do we deal with this fella? <clears throat> I, I like him as a hurler. I like, I like the way he, he gets the ball. But you have to remember when he's playing in the full four line, Colm, the, the ace man in the full four line is Patrick Corbin. Like, you know, so like it's kind of like when lads might be getting the ball and they're looking up, they're looking for Horgan like this. Now, I know Horgan got five points to play, but it can get very frustrating as a corner forward. You're inside, you're at the top of your game, you're sharp, you're fit, you're lively, everything, and the ball isn't coming to him. Found. And when you get out the field, it's like a new leash of life. And I just wrote down here, like Kingston, Cadigan and Jack O'Connor, 113 from play. That's what the three boys scored, 113 from play, and two of them were subs. So one came in and got seven from play and Cadigan came in and got three from play. Like this, like that's unbelievable shooting. And I also just wrote down here, Mark Coleman. I believe this Cork team, uh, Mark Coleman and Robert Downey, two real central players, but Mark Coleman, in, I think he's nearly like orchestrating the whole team. He uses, he plays centre-back. He's not a typical centre-back. I reckon he uses a 30, 31-inch hurl. I'd love to know the size of his hurl. It's absolutely tiny. So And he's able to strike the ball left and right all over the field, and he's finding players. Luke Mead is another lad orchestrating everything. Beautiful touches. Doesn't go in for any big hits, whatever. But I, I think Cork have a very, very good forward line. Sometimes overdue, but as you said, Colin, there, it was like in the second half, they just threw all the ties out of the pram and goes, lads, let's go back six forwards in Arklock's position and let's go for it. And they went for it. And they deserve their place in the All-Ireland. That, and that's the thing. And all the Cork 6 fours have to be marked. That's why it was so hard in the second half to free up somebody, right? Mm. So, like, I mean, on the other side, Mark Coleman. Mark Coleman played right half-back, but he was sweeping in the middle because yeah. Mellerick followed TJ Reid. That was the early change. 
but Coleman was able to sweep because he let Mossy Keown off. Yeah. Or yeah. he let John Donnelly off. And the ball was going off over John Donnelly's head. I felt yeah. sorry for him because Richie Reid took a shot which he should have given to him in the first half. Do you remember? And put yeah. it wide. Yeah. And then Donnelly gets gets kind of, you know, hooked off. But it was just the whole, when you've got six dangerous forwards, every team's playing the same way now. They're dropping yeah. back their centre-back sweeping and it's messing. Sometimes you're under so much pressure out the field. You just want to get it in and, and you don't have to get it in perfect. But when there's a covering player, he nearly always comes out with the ball. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And and it, it, I suppose the fact that the Cork forward line you had six dangerous forwards and they pushed them right up it didn't allow Kilkenny to impose their game because the backs were so preoccupied with their own men and you know something I saw Patrick Horgan like again we we probably talked about a lot of players but Patrick Horgan won his own ball but not only did he win his own ball he was scrapping then for other balls he got a few let's say points from balls that just broke down other players were running through he just pulled away let the other player run through ball broke down and thinking about there was it in the in the first half got a ball simple ball over the bar and he was just he was doing everything he was putting over the freeze that needed to be put it over let's say bar the last 65 he was getting getting his own ball 15 points he got yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just outstanding. And I think that really anchored that forward line. I mean, he contributed 15 points, regardless from freeze or from play. And you had that, like, so you had your standard, I suppose, as we expected now, Patrick Horgan, danger threat in front of goal. And he had a, he had, he had a brilliant game, absolutely yeah. brilliant game. And then the likes of the other lads around him then just brought their own game to it. I mean, they were playing different styles, Paul, but he, he anchored Paul, him there. Yeah. Paul, would you be, if you were you, you Laura, would you have been annoyed? That he didn't get a little bit more cover from his teammates at in the defence. That so much ball was going into Horgan, especially in the first half, and it came mm. five points from play. Like like as a defender, I know all these top defenders. You, you're like those forwards. You're counting how many frees you give away. You're counting how many blockdowns. You're keeping your man scores. And next thing, all of a sudden, you and all are running in at halftime, and he's nodding his head. And you going, lads, I need support. He's after getting five points to play. Like would you have said, Porik? Um, Walsh wasn't as much as a support as he should have been and he was a sweeper yeah there was times there where I looked and I could see you know that the Kilkenny half backline were up towards the 65 and oftentimes the way the game has gone now if that happens your half backline is up towards the 65 that means the other team is implementing their game on you and I could see Hugh Lawler was coming out and he was you know two or three yards behind Patrick Horgan more, more so out of necessity because he had so much space in front of him Cork were able to get the head up and look in and land the ball in front of him and if you were able to land the ball in front bouncing in front of the full forward straight away I'd be saying your half back line is too far off the pitch here if this is happening consistently yeah. and Patrick Horgan loves that that's what he does he drifts and he's great speed drifts out gets it and once he has it in hand <clears> he has such balance that he just throws a little shimmy has the yard and I, I felt sorry for Hugh Lawler at times because I was going what can he do like Damien is saying <clears> there he wasn't being protected so I was going what can he do I mean it's it's again it's a case the half back line are too far up here we need to pull it back a small bit and because Patrick Horgan will score all day if you let him off that's the thing and then the half forward were running there, and Colin what happens there right just to right so you have you Lawler playing full back and you have Patrick Horgan playing full forward and the two corner forwards are going out the field a bit right and next thing, the perfect ball is hit into Horgan. And he, we all know his first touch. It's absolutely perfect. It's immaculate, right? So now you Lawler has to make two conscious decisions. Is he going to commit himself, right? If he commits himself and Patrick Horgan gets the ball, he can snip him and get a goal, right? Or he lets him off. The worst case scenario is he gets a, a point. You don't want to concede a goal. Or if Patrick Horgan takes him on and he takes him down and it's one-on-one, he gets sent off. So these are the scenarios, it's a game plan system. So I, I just taught myself that Parik Walsh, even though he had a fine game, he should have been helping out more in that regard to Lawler because, or to uh, 
Horgan had five points from place for it. Yeah, he found it hard in the second half, obviously, because Kingston came on, and I think Kingston was predominantly in on Parik Walsh, but then they kept swapping around. Whoever mm. was close to someone that picked them up because the Cork lads were just moving around so much, but mm. they all played well. Yeah. Robbie O'Flynn was fantastic the whole game, running at Kilkenny, even when Cork weren't going well. Mm. And then Jack O'Connor, Kingston, Harnady came into it. One thing I'd say about Cork, they kind of start celebrating there when they went to six points up. That, yeah. Like, I mean, and I saw even at the second water break, Kingston cel- kind of clapped them all into the huddle and they were fired up. Yeah. And then Harnady was celebrating points, Cadigan was celebrating points. And then all of a sudden, Kilkenny get four in a row and now the celebrations ended and yeah, they, they yeah, started, yeah. you know, uh oh. Yeah, exactly. And the killing thing was, even when Patrick Horgan hit the last 65 wide, I said it to myself at the time, I said, like, if he put that over, the game was over oh, at that yeah. because you couldn't turn around. It'd be very slim chance of turning around and getting 1-1 there, at least just to draw it. But I said, there's an opening here for Kilkenny. And I actually kind of, half of me said, I hope it doesn't fall back on Patrick Horgan like that in some ways. Not saying, not leaving my Kilkenny roots here, but I said, yeah. it'd be a pity if it did. But I said, this is made for a goal here now. It's still the three points. Why did he miss that? Like, I mean, there's something written here. Like, why would he have, and he Look, missed it so badly. And, and it could be, come back to a small bit, like you're saying, like they were celebrating. I'm not saying they got carried away, but, you know, maybe they thought we've done enough here. We've done enough. You've never done enough until the wh- final whistle is blown. Because as you saw, Cork were six behind, six points behind at one stage. Kilkenny were six behind, behind at one stage. Six points in a game is, is, is in a hurling game is nothing. Never mind three. I think especially at that stage, you knew Kilkenny were going down the other end for a goal. So I was just saying, there's we have a chance here. We have a chance. Now, little did I know, or did I think they were going to get a goal. I thought there's a chance here, but maybe they just took their foot off the gas a little bit and... It's something for them looking going forward. I mean, you, you, nobody will be taking their foot off the gas if they have any sort of lead against Limerick, but you can't afford to do it, to take no. your foot off the gas. No, you, see, you wonder, did they take, do you give Kilkenny the credit for the, the comeback there? Do you think they took the foot off the gas? They were definitely noticeably celebrating scores, but then again, it looked, Damien, like they were running away with it. You know, and their crowd were getting into it. And I don't know, maybe, did they, do you think they took their foot off the gas or do you think that you just give Kilkenny the credit for, you know, sticking in I, there? I give, I... I give Kilkenny the credit. I, I think Kilkenny are never gone away. And that's just uh, one of uh, Brian Cody's mantras that you hurl for the full length of the game and you give it everything. And when you're out there, like, you know, it wasn't the case that the lad took the foot off the pedal or anything like that. And, like, Kilkenny just basically, they tried harder. Simple as that. And they won their 50-50 balls and they got back into the game. So they did. And um, I, I'd lo- one thing I'd love to know is um, just... Uh, Brian Cody seemed a little bit upset at the very end of the match, whether he, he felt that um, Paddy Deegan was entitled to a free. Or, do you know, Jimmer at the very end, uh, Paul, so I seen him going out towards the ref. I don't know what he said to him at the end mm. of the match, but um, I suppose if if Kilkenny won it, geez, it would have been nearly like a rob. Yeah. Uh, so, but no. They, they were never the getting answer, that free. No. What? They were never getting that free. Yeah, I think that I think the whistle was blown. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it, it looked like that. But uh, Brian Cody went out and he said something to the referee, and he, was, he wasn't happy with him over something. But um, no, I, I think I think Cork deserved a win. Oh, they definitely did. I, t- I don't think anyone would would doubt that. How does Cody get away with being in the pitch? He doesn't. He doesn't respect his technical area, does he? He's Actually, right in he the pitch. Nobody says a dicky bird to him. He only marginally walks. So I suppose <laughs> if if the only thing you're giving out about is that he's stepping over the white line, I think it's you'll nearly t- take that because I suppose over the line he's had a he's had good battles down the years with different managers over over the years. But um, to be honest, I didn't really notice what was going on too much on the line. I didn't actually see him going in. I think when the goal went in. 
from being in the stand, lads were just looking at each other going, geez, we got out of here and lads were running down. Lads were going outside to, you know, yeah. lads were going out for a cigarette or lads were going to the toilet and come back in. It was mayhem at the final whistle. The so atmosphere see. was so weird though, wasn't it, yeah. Paul? Like, I mean, it, it, everyone was in shock. It was yeah. just little small conversations happening all over. The whole yeah, stadium yeah, was yeah. kind of quiet, yeah. but except for just the murmurings of what the fucking yeah, hell is yeah. after happening. And what was gas was everybody was kind of turning to each other. I think the Cork fans were saying, oh no, have we thrown it away? And the Kilkenny fans, anyone I met, lads were going, will we do it. That was basically it. Will we do it? Will they, oh, they'll do it. Oh, br-. And again, it goes back to it. Lads were saying, oh, they'll bring on Richie Hogan. We'll do this. We'll do that. And people just thought, I think the Cork fans might have said, I hope this isn't, we, di- we didn't just throw this away. But um, yeah, there was. It was a strange feeling because I think some people as well were figuring out, was it extra time or was it going to be a replay yeah, or yeah. whatever? But um, no, it was. There was kind of this apprehension at full time of what, what's going to happen next. Yeah, it was just non stop. So, performance of the weekend, lads. Like, I mean, Shane Kingston has to win it. There's no two ways about it. Like, I mean, you're dropped. Yeah. I played underage for Port and I have my father on le- as a leash selector and I haven't been on teams it's not a nice atmosphere at home in the house like there's no doubt about that like I mean you don't want to talk about it but you'd like to kind of talk about it and I know exactly like Shane Kingston there would have been tension in that house there had to have been like I mean no player wants to be dropped now in fairness to him he talked about accepting it he said I kind of knew at the start of the week I wasn't going to be playing um, I don't mind um, but look, when I got the chance, I just came on. I wanted to prove it. Hopefully, I'll be playing again the next day. The one worry I'd have for Shane Kingston is the the, the impact he made off the bench. That there might be a, a you know a, a kind of a move to say this could be a good role for him. You know, like. Uh, then the other the, the traditional side of it is if you perform like that, Damien, you get on the next day. You know, but that's not really yeah. always the way they look at it. Managers now. <clears throat> I'd say I'd say it was an awkward week now in the Kingston house. Uh, if you're honest, uh, I'd say, and you know he was hurling well. Lads can say if they like. It was it wasn't a case that he was playing on the forward line for Cork because his father was the manager and he wasn't getting scores or he wasn't pulling his weight. He was pulling his weight and he was getting scores and he was getting goals and points as well as he was. But you just wouldn't know. Uh, I was saying this is home. You just wouldn't know. Maybe it, they went for a vote. You know, among the management team to say who who will they play and. Maybe Kingston was outvoted by his son. But all I'd say is, when, when, when you're not happy with something like not getting picked, there's only one way to show them, and that's to show them on the pitch. And the performance that Kingston gave, like seven points from play, lads, is extraordinary. If, like, if Tony Kelly scored seven points from play, if Patrick Horgan, TJ Reid, we'd all still be talking about next week. Seven points from play in inter-county hurling is phenomenal. Yeah. Simple as that. And score five points and five points from when he came on was and he took and it was nearly like, you know, like you're a spoiled child and you're after coming on and you're not and you give the fingers up to the management. That's what you deserve now from that start. It's a, a little bit like that. And I, I personally was delighted for him. And I was probably delighted for his father. And you were on about clapping uh, lads across the head there, um Colin. Like he went over his own young lads, yeah. so he did King Street, give him a clapper across the helmet. It was nearly like to say you show us wrong now, you know, you prove yourself to us. But without question, I thought he was, I thought the man was just simply outstanding. Yeah, yeah. I did. I saw the tap the hit he gave to the son, but that was more like it was a fairly old hit in the helmet, but it was in a yeah. well done kind of way rather than a, you know, yeah, get into Because yeah. he, yeah, oh, does he flatter to the. But there was a defiance. Yeah. There was a defiance that clap. There was. There was, there was. A, does he flatter to deceive sometimes, Paul? Like, can you see the problem with, and I've seen this on, on many teams, when there's young lads coming up to the ranks. Mm there's a huge clamour to give these young lads a start. Yeah. And it came down to between himself and young Barrett. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they've just won an under-21. This is the future, you know, and yeah. I could see why they dropped them, if yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah, of course. Look, they had hard decisions to make and I thought about it going away and, I, you know, I just, 
I, I was thinking to myself, how hard of a decision was it for Kieran Kingston? Because look, it's not a nice place to be in, and I, I think the performance of the weekend goes to both Kingston's Shane and Kieran because. At some stage, regardless if it goes to a vote or whatever, Kieran Kingston has to take out of it. And he obviously did take out of it. Look, that's my son on the pitch or it won't be on the pitch. And he said, listen, the best team has to play. What's in the best interest of Cork? This is what I think, right or wrong, is in the best interest. And the book stops with him. The book stops with Kieran Kingston. And the, like, the integrity of Kieran Kingston to do that, I think, is admirable. But also the character of, of Shane Kingston yeah. to come on and not sulk. Come on and score. And as Damien said, seven points. Incredible. In, incredible in 70 minutes of hurling. I Came couldn't get over... in 42 minutes. 42, on the 42nd minute. I went home and watched the Sunday game and someone said to me on the way home, we're going home for a pint. And I said, someone said, he came on after 42. I said, no, he didn't. He said, he came on after... I said, there's no way Kieran, Shane yeah. Kingston came on. But I think overall, the integrity of Kieran Kingston, incredible. And the character of Shane Kingston to come on. Forget the scores and everything else. The character of him to come on and do his bit and, you know, really lift the Cork team overall I just think it's just incredible what they did Yeah absolutely incredible other uh, nominations Robert Downey absolutely outstanding you'd have to say Billy Ryan would get a nomination as well Paul that was a lovely yeah. little move I thought by Cody to put him and we were talking last Thursday Cody's very good at putting players in and he mm. saw the, the damage Ronan Hayes maybe did you know running mm. left and right and when Billy Ryan got the ball he caused Downey all sorts of problems and that's why you you get a little bit frustrated that Robert Downey loved the kind of balls that Kilkenny ended up kind of giving in Yeah well when you saw what Billy Ryan was doing in the first half was asking was really asking questions and he was moving around and then you're kind of thinking if that's working well let's not step away from it it's not, if it's not broke don't fix it yeah. you know and then even also I suppose Billy Ryan you could see he was cramping up at different stages then towards the end but there's players there that would have provided similar enough to what Billy Ryan was doing as opposed to standing TJ on the edge with Robert Downey which maybe Robert Downey wanted to do if Billy Ryan's tactic was working of moving, 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 get another player in there that's going to do that. If Billy Ryan is now cramping, get him in there. But, you know, Billy Ryan did have a good game and he was, you know, he was lively inside there. Yeah, no, he definitely was. Jack O'Connor, obviously. He got, he got go five, five points from play. Yeah, he got five from play. Patrick Horgan, Robbie O'Flynn, who was outstanding. You'd have to say you could nominate loads of the Cork players. Tim O'Mahony, absolutely brilliant. But performance of the weekend goes to Shane Kingston. Um, we'll have to leave that there, that match there, lads, and we'll come back and talk about the other one. So the only place to start with this game, lads, is that the game, the fact the game was put back for 30 minutes. And there's a lot to be talking about. We could do the rest of the show on this uh, decision and, and what happened. But Daryl Donovan, I thought, was interesting. Um, he was speaking after the game. He says, I think the 30-minute delay probably affected both teams. Players should be put first in that instance. Four points to three in an all-around semi-final after 18 minutes. It affected both teams. It's very unfair um, and it's just as unfair on Waterford. I was stuck in that traffic, Paul. So I was purely thinking... Of I saw all the flags, Limerick flags coming out of the cars and the traffic wasn't moving yeah. from a little bit after Monstrevan until before Nace. And I was thinking, this game has to be put back or pl- people who have spent whatever on the tickets won't get in to see. Yeah. So you're just out of an intercounty panel. Like, which way do you look on it? Like, I know from being a player in Croke Park, you hate that delay. It's desperate. You're nearly out. Yeah. And yeah. then you're not. So I can see if... But surely they had to put it back, no? No, they had to put it back. You know, I, I think Dara Donovan, I know what he's saying, but... Um, like at the end of the day the fans have to be there we haven't had fans in London if ever more than ever yeah. they were going to put it back by half an hour the fans had to be there for this and there's many circumstances in which a game has been put back and I've been involved in them be it extra time in a game previous you know you're playing down in Semple Stadium yeah. All-Ireland quarter-final you know two teams it's heartbreaking though isn't it it is heartbreaking but it's part of the game it's as much part of the game as walking around behind Darren Tame by his band trying to keep your focus as much as you meet the president as much as you're you know all these different things that go on before a match you know so 
you have to prepare for those things. And I do know what he's saying in it, but I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't start the match. It would have been an absolute debacle now if you started the match and fans, through no fault of their own, couldn't get into the match after paying their money, you know, yeah. and they see half the match or they, you know, they see 15 minutes of the match, you know, yeah. you, you couldn't do it. I think in fairness, at the time, Dara Donovan was looking at it from player's point of view. He wanted to get out in the pitch. Adrenaline was going, but you couldn't. No, the right decision was made and fair play to him for making the decision. Well, that was it. 5.26 I got into the ground, uh, Damien, and I was like stuck in that. There's no way I could have made five. You're looking at losing a half an hour for supporters. What I want to know from you, because you're a very, very strong farming background, what kind of a gobshite of a farmer doesn't know how high he can, he can load the straw to the back of a fucking lorry? <laughs> Well, they, they're saying he was a Waterford farmer. <laughs> I think there's been. I think a meme awesome. has gone around with every kind of a fella driving it from John Milan to Liam Sheedy to every every lad has been accused of it. So, Stop. could you could you just imagine? Sure. But 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 Damien, no, just to stick on the bales of straw. How would they have made that mistake though? They're driving on a motorway with several bridges. Surely there's a like that's that's a huge huge mistake by someone. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm not an expert on straw or an expert in straw bales. Silage is your forte, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be more, I, we, we as a family would be more into square bales of hay because we'd love hardship, right? <laughs> but we, we, um, I, I thought there was a rule uh, within that you couldn't go three rows high. Right. As in to, to stack them, three, three rows high. I, just, I thought that, but as I said, I'm not an expert I don't want to start speaking about uh, stacking of of, of um, bales, but ah, oh, lads, it must be a pure misfortune. And, and all I'll say is, right, and any anyone that's a farmer and their father is the is the is the main man and the father's son, right? Well, I hope it was a father that was driving the track, and not the father's <laughs> son, because it, it, and you and and every farmer's young and know what I'm on about because. Or he didn't go to look and he loaded the bales himself and he forgot about the three rows higher or, or whatever. But uh, Ash, it was just a pure misfortune. Like, you know, she couldn't, you wouldn't write it, you know, <laughs> if, if this happened. So you wouldn't. But um, I, I, as I said, you, you'd feel sorry. But I, I would agree with just to, uh, with Paul, you, you had to uh, put the game back. Uh, half an hour for the fans and for the for the players. Look at even at home, we were all looking forward to the game and we got delayed watching it. We say on TV and you're mad and RT and and everyone else were trying to just prolong it and talk about everything. But the game had to be put back half an hour. It was as simple as that. Yeah, they had to waste. They had to punch in some time for the half hour to pull poor Anthony Daly out of the stand with a hoodie on him, and he was getting all sorts of stick. (laughs) He was. Yeah, I was only thinking to myself as we're talking there. If anyone tuned into this podcast halfway through, thinking it's the GA or they think it was the Farmers Journal (laughs) podcast, what's the regulations behind stacking hay or straw? Listen, Damien loves a farming chat. If you get him started, (laughs) you could do the whole hour. Only way you get him on. Promise him a bit of farming talk. You, 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 Paul, you take the likes of Kyle Hayes. He comes from a farming background and they, yeah. they speak about his fitness levels. A lot of that is agricultural fitness as well. Yeah, so it yeah. is so. Well, we used to have Noel um, Hickey, you know, yeah. and when gym programs were coming Noel in, Hickey, yeah. Noel Hickey would always say, so what use am I to a gym program? Am I pulling cows out of the ground all day? Yeah. <laughs> so what's the use, you know? Well, that's it. But I was even like with Noel Hickey or even lads on building sites that on your day's recovery, they have no recovery. There's no recovery. I, I saw a great interview at the time with Kieran McDonald 
um, of Mayo. I didn't know he was oh, a builder. Pipes. He lays pipes on roads. Was it pipes? Yeah. And, yeah, and he was out. He was saying, you know, he was mixing cement and he was pulling blocks or he's pipe whatever. And he was saying, sure, you know, recovery, like you said, whatever about a gym, you wouldn't worry about a fella having to do a gym program there. But like you said, the recovery, what recovery? You're going down into a hole at seven o'clock in the morning, like you know. So certainly for those lads, I don't know, is it is it going out of the game or is it still in there? I'm sure certainly it is in there for a lot of lads, but it's it's recovery, non-existent there. Yeah. So there's not too many. There's not too many J. Intercounty J stars are doing manual labour. They're all Man, selling cars heavy. now, Damien. <laughs> what? They're all selling Should cars we? now. So they're all te- majority, majority, majority. If they have a choice and they're big into their hurling and they, they think they have a big, my, this is just my opinion. A lot of them go down the teaching route. Ah, uh, they are. Yeah, they are. Mm. That, yeah, they are. The whole summer well, off. You know, Come here. Would you mind telling me why you're still on the on the square bales instead of the the round ones? Oh, there's nothing that I tell you. Square bale hail terribly valuable. Um, very, very, very handy. Um, What's the difference? Uh, column. You can throw a, you can throw a square bale of hay into a van or a car, and so you can and and you know for a couple of calves or a couple of yos there to have lambs. Oh, the square bale is terribly valuable. Very, very valuable. Right, and it's just a it's just a handiness. Yes, the square. This is this is hilarious. <laughs> this is a yeah, the handiness of the the handiness of a square bale of hay is very handy for if you're feeding calves or if you're dropping. So there's and in a round bale, maybe you know yourself. Just they say there's ten square bales in a round bale. If just you might have known that, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's a lot more work to it and a lot more hardship to it. But square bales of hay are terribly handy, so they are, and they can last a lot longer. But it's mainly for calves and yours and that. Right, so right. Well, it's definitely around. Go on. It's great that we're talking about square bales of hay now and round straw bales. <laughs> well, it was definitely round straw bales that that man had on the back of the lorry because I, I, I drove past it. Come here, we have to get back to the match. Uh, what about this sending off the Peter Casey one, Paul? Like, I mean, video footage inconclusive. Mm, yeah, I, I've, I've looked at it a few times. It's a tough one. The, the part of it, oh, sure, I mean, there's, there's a load of different angles to this. Like, he went in, was it a chest bump? I didn't see him overly sticking the head in. If he did, he yeah. did stick the head in a bit. Gleason, see, Gleason went down, so does momentum bring him on? Yeah, you know? Gleason went down, but also as well, Peter Casey went down. I was thinking, is is a guilt that he's going down? Guilt, like, you know, and, and but I felt hard done by because the first thing I thought, and I thought about it in the first few minutes, you know, Peter Casey was sent off. Jamie Barron stayed on the pitch, which I thought was. I mean, I've been a big advocate of Jamie Barron, but Jamie Barron punched Gerard Hegarty in the stomach. That wasn't as bad as what Peter Casey did, you know. So, you know, in trying to weigh things up, you're meant to deal with these things on individual case by case situations. It's tough on Peter Casey. He was playing with fire. We've talked about it plenty of times. He was playing with fire, and you can't go and say, let's say, okay, Aaron Galan got away with it a few weeks ago, or whatever, or even saying Jamie Barron. Referees look at it case by case, and he sent him off. There was something there, um, and I don't think there can be a huge amount of argument. He, he, he. But again, Jamie Barron, do you say that Jamie Barron in front of the referee should have stayed on the pitch? He was you know? kind of a forearm rather than a punt, rather sure, than a punch. You know, but at the same time, you could say, well, Peter Casey, well, he didn't land the head, but he pushed, yeah. but he didn't land it. You know, are we getting into that sort of uh, argument now? But. Um, look, he'll feel like he's missing an All-Ireland either way. I don't know, are they putting in, um, you know, are they going to contest it or what they're going to do? But it doesn't look great because there's no real conclusive angles of it. It's a tough one for anyone to call. I think it's 50-50, you know. He'll hardly get off when the video doesn't show that he didn't do it. And then the ref decided he did. Like, I don't know, Damien, like, explain to me, like, you see, often see soccer players going head to head, right? And one of them, the minute to feel the contact, they'll feckin' fall on the ground. And, you know, like, there's nothing in that. It's play acting, it's theatrical. Now, hurlers have helmets and face guards. You tell me how that could have hurt Conor Gleeson. It couldn't have. You tell me what benefit is there 
there in Peter Casey putting his helmet into into Conor Gleeson when it would hurt him as much as Conor Gleeson. It would hurt neither of them. So what's going on here? Like I, I I've never really seen it. A headbutt is a waste of time on a hurling pitch with a, a face guard. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I un- I understand you. But I look at I look at things from both sides. Um, uh, Colin, right? And Peter Casey, the corner forward, and I'm probably on the corner forward uh, club here. So I'm like. He he's a lovely hurler. He he two points from play scored. He's he's after nailing his place on the team. He, he's keeping Mulcahy out of the team. Scream Mulcahy like this. But like uh, Gleeson went towards him. I I'd love to. Uh, something happened that Peter Casey reacted like that. Where did you know? I I, I don't know. Right, but did, did, where when Gleeson went towards him, did he hit him somewhere that wasn't a nice place to hit him? And, and I think he Peter poked him with a hurl. Yeah, yeah, but there's a corner forward doesn't react like that, like this. And I, I'm going to defend Peter Casey, and I, mm. I genuinely felt really, really sorry for the young lad uh, in in Crow Park. I, I even when they went in to show him in the stand, I, I, I could see his eyes were watery. Like I, I, I just I didn't like it because I don't believe corner forwards react like that for no known reason. I think something happened in that instant, whether a hurl went somewhere that it shouldn't have went or whatever. Look at Peter Casey will be annoyed with himself and uh, that he probably went towards him with the headbutt. Like, he didn't hit him a headbutt. No, I think no. um, Gleeson reacted terribly. Like, you know, no more than you're on about Jamie Barron, uh, Jamie Barron's um, uh, belt on uh, Hagerty. I've been honest with you, there's old school horrors that if, if they got that belt that Hagerty got, they wouldn't go down. They wouldn't. Hagerty, I was a bit disappointed Hagerty went down. In that regard, you know, for a hundred year like this, but I felt sorry for Peter Casey. I I would love to see the 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 decision being overturned for his for his sake. Uh, do I think it will? More likely, it won't. But I, I there has to be a reason why Peter Casey went back to to have a confrontation with him. Something happened. So and the, the, you, you don't you don't respond like that if nothing happens. No, there's two sides to everything. There's two sides to everything and it's come into the game though and I think Gleeson definitely went down too quick because if mm. he hadn't gone down there those two players would have had their faces in against each other mm. and that would have been the end of it Paul. Like yeah. I mean in that regard it's unfair on Casey. The other yeah. side of it is how stupid is Casey to even think of doing that when they're 10 points up mm. and the, the game's won why didn't he just laugh at Gleeson? Why yeah. didn't he say go yeah. away the game's over go way down back down the road? He didn't. Yeah. I don't think Casey went to headbutt him. I don't think he did headbutt him. No. I think he he went to go up yeah, to yeah. him and Gleeson fell down and, and now and, and the fact that Gleeson missed an All-Ireland I'd say I think Gleeson got up and said there was nothing in it or whatever yeah. because Gleeson knows how that feels I feel terrible for him I can't see him getting off because he, how can he prove he, he didn't do it No that's it and like that's it Peter Casey will be disappointed in the fact that he allowed himself to be sucked into that and I think that's the extent of it but it wasn't enough, as far as I can see, it wasn't enough for Gleeson to go down. I was disappointed in that. He hit the deck and straight away, I think that's where, uh, you know, Peter Casey realised, oh, jeez, no, I'm in trouble here. He wasn't expecting him to hit the deck and I don't think anybody was. And I was disappointed in that, that they went in, like you saw in the other matches, I mean, you see slow motions of some of the some of the bits of play in the match, like Huey Lawler's block um, in, in, the, in the match against Cork. The hurls came around and hit him in the face and Huey yeah. Lawler got up. That was a hurl in the face. Peter Casey didn't headbutt at least with any such force like you said with two helmets on that he should hit the ground yeah. there's no way he should have hit the ground and like Damien is saying it's creeping in players before wouldn't have but I think players now are looking at it going I could get a lad sent off here because they know the referees are in a position that oh if there's intent and he, his head goes forward he's going to send him so 
I'm going to hit the deck. So I was disappointed in Leeson that he that he hit the ground. In, in Hegarty's defence, Damien, and I do accept your point that the game's cha- the game years ago that he he might not have gone down. He might have been surprised with it, but that game was very close at that time. And Hegarty's probably thinking, "Here, feck this lad." 15 versus 14 is a lot easier the point, problem with Conor Gleeson was the game was over at that stage there was no real need to stitch him up unless in Conor Gleeson's head he thought if they get someone sent off but Gleeson was messing with Keane Lynch the whole way through the game it was added and they were poking each other and Gleeson isn't simple yeah. he, 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 done it with, he done it with Joe Cannon as well so he did he, he's not simple and as you said he, he knows what it's like to, uh, to not to play in an All-Ireland final uh, so he does you know and um, uh, you're on about uh um, Hagerty, ah, I'd been disappointed. Be honest, a big, massive man, full of muscle. So he is like this. And then the truth is, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll compliment Kilkenny. That doesn't happen in Kilkenny. That that's the truth now. And I compliment Brian Cody, and that's and that's down with the tradition of the Kilkenny hurling. They don't go down. Sometimes maybe they should go down a little bit more, you know, to win a, a, maybe an easy free. But the Kilkenny boys don't go down, and that wouldn't happen in a in a Kilkenny match but I was disappointed in Hager to be honest Jamie Barron isn't a dirty player he got a belt a little bit of a trip switch no you know hit your man a belt and down was this but for Peter Casey I really feel sorry for the young man I I, I think if I was Limerick I, I would definitely try to get into uh, to get massive coverage on what happened in that instant and as you said to show that he didn't headbutt and my opinion again with the referee is if not fully certain and if it isn't Clarified 100% issue a yellow card. That, yeah. that is my opinion. Issue a yellow card. If you're not fully certain, don't issue a red card. Yeah. Yeah. Like I th- because it was his umpires. It was his umpires and his linesmen that made that decision, not him. Yeah. It was the linesman. And if he gave the yellow again, like, nobody would have complained no. about that yellow for that. Anyways, we make it in talk about the game here, lads. What about Waterford in the first quarter? Like, I mean, talk about laying down markers all over the field. Mm. Stephen Bennett was like a wrecking ball. He was n- knocking them off. I'd never yeah. seen Limerick being kind of physically fronted up to in that way yeah yeah um, like this is what we said Waterford had to bring and it was, it was incredible for the amount of weeks on the trot that Waterford are going to come out of the blocks like this and what I thought and it's not to go back and go into a negative one I would have loved to see another 10 minutes of it only for the water break kind of you know was a circuit breaker for that but what Waterford came out with was unbelievable and it was the best 18 minutes of hurling the most intense 18 minutes because Limerick were fighting hard to get physical as well and there were great blocks and hooks and you know even the shoulder on Garot Hegarty was it uh, Shane Bennett hit him the shoulder was it oh, over the sideline and no, Stephen no, Bennett don't... dropped him as well oh Both yeah Bennett's. yeah that was it I think it was Bennett's but um, but the physicality was incredible, and in fairness, you know the ref let it on as well, which was it was good, honest physicality yeah. going into it, and the atmosphere was unbelievable. But just watching it, we were sitting at home looking at it, going like this is breathtaking stuff. It was just hell for leather the whole way, and um, look, in fairness to Watford, they thrown everything at them. But like you said, it went in at half time and it was four points to three. I couldn't believe it. I was going for everything they've thrown at them, like the kitchen sink and everything else. It's four points to three. Like that just is a credit to Limerick that that's what was being thrown at them and they absorbed every bit of it and said, yep, go on, keep throwing it at us and we'll keep hurling. Yeah, they absorbed it all, uh, Damien. They took the hits. They stuck to their game plan. The water break definitely helped them. They took maybe two minutes of a water break in a huddle with yeah. with Kylie in the middle, which is completely wrong. And it shouldn't be, you shouldn't be able to get that break of a, of a managerial and the, and, chat. And the whiteboard. And, and the, the whiteboard. whiteboard, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's not that is not. How can Croke Park look at that and accept and not find Limerick? I, I don't want to single out Limerick only because they're all doing it. This is meant to be a quick water break, and you're back on the field, and it's completely mm. messing up momentum. It messed up Waterford, but after the water break, Damien, when when Limerick got the six in a row, the game was pretty much over at that stage. Yeah, 
Yeah, game was over. I, I would agree, Chan. I, I, I love the up to the water break. I absolutely love the intensity of the whole game. I love the way that the water lad, lads really got stuck into Limerick and they gave it absolutely everything. So did Aaron Glenn, I suppose. He could he just he put a ball over the bar. He should have put the ball in the back of the net. So Waterford gave it everything. I, I have a soft spot for Waterford hurling. When I was growing up, I used to love watching the Waterford lads hurling with the Kim McGraths and the Dan Shanahan's and and all these lads. But uh, I once the second we call it the second period came, Limerick just drove on. They just drove on. They showed their dominance. Flanagan was very very powerful in that. You know, Aaron Galan won five. So he did Keen Lynch three points. Tom Morrissey, five points. Seamus Flanagan, four points. These are all their main forwards now at the moment. But uh, the truth of it was, Con, with the system that Watford are playing with numbers back and all that sort of stuff, I I don't think you'll ever win a game if you're only playing one man in the full four line. Yeah. You know, and Hutchison was up there on his own, especially in the second half for a lot of it, until they put Jamie Barron inside in the full four line. But I, I could never see Watford winning the game after... After the first water break, no, he did. He actually did very well, Barrett, when he went in. There's nothing he can't do. Mm. But I do agree. Like I watched the game, very frustrated. Like Hutchinson's inside now. This worked against Galway and Tip because Waterford Ridge run them. They had the fitness and the youth and the speed to mm. run the shit out of them in the middle and get ball in. Well, very noticeable for me is that if Limerick were under any pressure, yeah. they could give one pass and then bang because the Flanagan and Galan stay on the edge of the two boxes. Mm. Casey yeah. stand around front of them. They have huge targets to aim at. Mm. They always have an out ball yeah. and it looks like a good ball because mm. one of the lads is breaking out to it and they know that that huge area doesn't have to be perfect. I'm launching that diagonal that way yeah. and that's my out yeah, but yeah. when Waterford were under pressure they had no out ball no. they had to get free and give a perfect ball in mm. and that's the difference because Limerick can do the running game and they can run the ball the whole way up the field yeah. which Waterford like to do but Limerick have that out when they're un- when that savage pressure's on them yeah. they'll yeah. just stick it into a corner yeah absolutely and, and when you saw like when Waterford tried to force that issue there in the second half and you looked at it Limerick had men back. Limerick were sitting back and it's like what Damien was saying that Huey Lawler was exposed in the Cork match. When you looked up and Watford were under pressure and they were trying to get the ball up the pitch, Limerick players were still sitting back in their positions and they had an abundance of players. Still had still, it out the field. Still had it. Yeah. And what they were able to do was once they, once they got that ball out, landed down, Desi Hutchinson was inside on his own. They slowly worked it out. They were able to get their score from a little bit out the pitch. Again then, Watford had to push up, push up and kind of fight in that middle third. And once they did push up, then you had Flanagan and it was like just back and forth. You know, they were just, once they pushed up, once Watford pushed up a small bit, yeah. Limerick played the long ball in. Once Watford went back, Paul, Limerick worked it up and tapped it over Paul, the bar. Yeah. And Paul, it's like Hannon. I find I, I, it's like Hannon doesn't move out of the centre back position. No, no. And when when he gets the ball, he just gives the simplest little hand passes out to his half backs or yeah. out to his midfielders. He just has he 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 just does everything so simple. He he is the main man. We'll say in that backline, he yeah. glues it all together. But he doesn't move out of the number six channel. It's it's kind of. It's it's hilarious, but it's it's so effective. Yeah, it's it it, it's I almost and it's not to bring the we often hear this thing of the quarterback type thing. Like if you look, there, we always talk of the players around Declan Hannon of you know Kyle Hayes bombing up the line and Dermot Burns and you have Keen Lynch and all these fancy players. And sometimes you know if you're neutral, maybe looking at it and you don't watch hurling, say what's that fella in the middle doing? For me, like like Damien is saying, he's calling it. He's telling everybody like he's the captain for a reason and he controls it. I genuinely think he controls it really well. I think we can get distracted by you know the physicality of Limerick and what they do when they're running they're... Declan Hannon is there for a reason and he's there because I think he knows how to call it he knows they're, they're all smart players they know how to play the game but what he does in the middle 
nothing fancy gets the ball pops it out talks to players where are we right. going what are we doing and he controls the whole thing and I don't know do we ever talk about it, the, the genius no. of that well we've actually been talking about him as, as a weak link well yeah, I have yeah. and I'm driving this I'm like why are we not targeting that because he doesn't yeah. mark you know and well John Kiley doesn't have weak links and I, you know we've <laughs> said this before like John Kiley can drop Aaron Galan, not you know not start him you know he can put off Seamus Flanagan he can bring on someone else yeah. John Kiley's cutthroat if you're you're not you know he's not he's not carrying anybody in that team we, we talked about the full back line of you know, they have Barry Nash, you know, they have Casey there at full back line, they have Morrissey, they have Sean Finn, they have Richie English. They have an abundance of backs. De- Declan mm. Hannon isn't there for any particular reason to go up and lift a cup. He's there for a reason, yeah. you know, and if um if 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 there's one thing that he's there for, it is control in that back line. And sure, the man was probably the greatest <coughs> hurler coming out of Limerick when underage, while yeah, we're yeah. talking about him. He's there for a reason and John Kyle doesn't carry anyone. No, well, he definitely doesn't. But, but as well as well, Paul, De- Declan Hannon, right? As you said, number six, but Declan Hannon, and it showed it. Tip, tip, tip. Basically, found a weakness in him, right? Where they scored the world of scores in the first half, right? But we cannot forget William O'Donoghue and Daryl Dunvin. I'm telling you, them two players, I don't think were spoken about enough regarding the comeback against Tipperary, and them two midfielders are the focal point behind your man allowed to sit back. So he is um, Hannon. So and I, I can't praise that William O'Donoghue and Daryl O'Donoghue enough. Jeez, there's some workers. Jeez, the work rate that them two boys get into. They tell me that William O'Donoghue loves hitting that. Loves hitting challenges, getting stuck into rooks. Every time you can see it, they're mad for work them two lads. And just sometimes we'll all talk about the forwards and all that. But I just think them two deserve a huge amount of credit. In particular, Daryl O'Donoghue the last day. I thought, I thought he had a super game. Yeah. Well, O'Donovan, obviously, William O'Donoghue, and Hegarty, Lynch and Tom Morrissey, their appetite for work mm. allows yeah. these lads stay in their positions, obviously. And like, yeah. I mean, I felt sorry for Desi Hutchinson, though. Like, not only has he to mark Sean Finn, who's by far the best cornerback, I think, in the in the game at the moment, the speed mm. of him, the strength of him, everything. Yeah. Hutchinson could barely get away from him on his own. Yeah. If he was yeah. left one-on-one, yeah, that would have chance. been a great battle. But Hannon was always there and Nash could be down there too. Yeah, could be yeah. three-on-one. Like, what could no, you do? Yeah. You've no game plan then, Paul, really. Because no. the lads out the field, because of the savage work rate of all these lads we just named... Mm. They couldn't really get free to give good head up ball, and when they when they could, where was their target? Yeah, where was their target? And the luxury for that, and I know it being a cornerback, once you see protection all around you, you're going, I can stand on this fella's heels now because he has nowhere to go. The pressure's on him now. Often we traditionally say, oh, you have to be touch tight, you do. But when you have acres of space in front of you, which ideally would be in the situation Desi Hutchinson would have wanted, well, now Sean Finn has to play it a small bit different because Desi Hutchinson has loads of room to run into. But once he looks around and he sees this wall of defence and Desi Hutchins going where am I going to get the ball from here Sean Finn can just stand on top of him and go land the ball down and who's going to beat Sean Finn for physicality nobody's going to beat him yeah. who's going to beat him and even you just see him he just glances around flicks the ball away gets it pops it out back onto the man I mean you wouldn't envy Desi Hutchins and that's it. what could he do he desperate. could do nothing you know? no, desperate day at the office and they, in fairness they did change it um, I think it was after the Galan goal because they rallied a bit Damien without ever looking I, it reminded me of Dublin's rally against Cork where you're still not believing mm. the rally they're just you know they're after getting three in a row. Yeah, they, yeah, they, they actually went with a two-man full forward line nearly for the last 15. Ozzy Gleeson went in full forward and Jamie Barron went in full forward. Yeah. So they, didn't, they kind of started hitting ball route one and Ozzy cost a couple of balls and he threw over the bar and he went for a couple of goals and uh, what's called it? Um, Jamie Barron got a couple of pints and he went for a couple of goals and uh, what's called it? Uh, Quaid pulled off a couple of great saves. I, 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 I really like that Quaid as a goalkeeper. I think he's so calm, he's so natural, he's there's no excitement, there's 
no airs or graces or dramas about him. He's a he's a super goalie. So he's but as I just said to you, Colin, Walter were getting the ball and they were driving it up the field. And as you said, we we had the Declan Hannans and these guys holding their positions, and it was impossible for um, Hutchinson. You, you nearly feel sorry for him. But after the water break, I could never see. Um, Watford win the game. Yeah, they made they made a a, a little bit of a, a comeback there in the last quarters. They were they, they were never going to win the game. Yeah, they were. They, they were actually leaving three, and Stephen Bennett was in with them. They they, they, they kind of changed their shape completely, you know, mm. and like they, they kind of had to do it. It it wasn't working. Jack Prendergast, Peter Hogan, we talked about them yeah. a lot last Thursday. Just. Just taken off. Just, yeah, you not know. just weren't the, the yeah. running game against Limerick is difficult because Limerick. Yeah. Don't shirk the work rate no. and they're monsters. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're just, you think you're fit, they're fitter. Yeah, they're fitter, yeah. And they, they, they clog up that area, you know, that area that we were looking at, um, Hogan and Pendergast running through. I mean, you don't run through that against Limerick. And what I think is a great thing, if you see the end view, let's say, of the match and when, when there's puckouts coming, let's say, from the opposing team and Limerick are defending it, their hurls are up, they're standing, they're looking, looking, looking. And yeah. where the ball is going, like they just, you just see this convergence of players. They just converge on the area, running in. And like you said, once you get there, if you're, let's say, a Pendergast or whatever, you get there and you have Darrow Donovan or you have William O'Donoghue coming in on top of you and then you have Keane Lynch flicking the ball around or then you have Kyle Hayes. Mm. Where do you go? You yeah. know, where do you go? And like and you, you said, no the they have no the out ball. Yeah, yeah the, Limerick, the Limerick Middle East, the size of them are absolutely <laughs> incredible. Those, like, I'm serious. Have mm. a look, like Keane Lynch is probably the smallest one mm. out of the middle eight. Like they're massive men and they're all mad for work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and Keane Lynch is fond of a bench press, uh, the chest sticking out of his jersey. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, yeah. he's not that tall, but he's probably, he could be the strongest of them. Keane Lynch is probably 5'10", 5'11". I mean, it's just, I think the lads around him, you're standing beside Gerard Hegarty and Tom Morrissey. I mean, lots of lads that look small around that. So yeah. he's not a small man, do you know? He's not a small man. He's fit, he's well able to move and he's able to do it. But like, you know, even Tom Morrissey, we haven't even mentioned Tom Morrissey. You know, the work rate out of him, up and down the line, gets the ball. Yeah. He seems like he has two or three yards of space yeah. the whole time. Five, five, five points from play. Five points from play, do you know, and did, has he been overly mentioned, you know, in, in general with the coverage after the match? He just pops up five points from play, good day's work, off the pitch, done, yeah. happy days. Yeah, you know? I was going to mention him in performance of the weekend, but you've jumped ahead of me there. I we knew you were going to do that. I got your notes before the, before the show. <laughs> but the thing, the thing about it is, like, I mean, you, you look at the, the Waterford running game and it didn't work. And we, we kind of thought it might be a numbers game. And if Limerick are leaving lads back, Waterford have more men. It mm. didn't transpire like that. They just, no. Limerick have, they have you in so many ways. It's, it's, it's just very difficult. I think there was a stat on the puckouts. Waterford won one of 11 long puckouts. Mm. Jesus, like Jack Fagan, like he's good in the air, mm. but he's not able for Kyle Hayes. Now no. that's two matches, yeah. at least last year's All-Ireland and this year, he's just ineffectual in the game. Yeah. You know, like it's very hard to see how Waterford can trouble Limerick with that game with that game plan. It is, yeah. And I really think that any team who's going to try and trouble Limerick, you're going to have to physically one-on-one match up with them very well in terms of being able to dominate your position. Like you said, unfortunately, you know, sometimes we can get complicated into different systems and different things, but you have to be able to win that battle one-on-one with your own man. And like, if that's Kyle Hayes, who's six foot five or whatever he is, and you need someone physically who's able to stand in on top of him, and I'm not like that's not easy done. It's not easy done. And I just think that dominance that they have, not saying they rely on their physicality, but the fact that they're so physical in every position. I mean, how it's, it's so tough for one player to try and dominate that position. And if he's not winning it, that's a point for Limerick. You know, that's they're winning that position. And all over the pitch, they just have this physical battle won, which is a huge thing for Limerick. And that's before they even get down to the skill of the players. Yeah, and like even the two lads, you're talking about the physical as the two lads, Galan and Flanagan are huge men too. And they're able to win their 
ball it'd score mm. so like I mean even if you like you're hitting a space mm. you can be sure they're out in front because often when you're marking a big man it's hard to get out around you know what I mean get out yeah. around you almost let him on in front of you or whatever do you Paul like I mean if, if you're marking a fella who would be as physical as Flanagan and Galan yeah yeah well like well, well, unless you're Conor Prunty obviously unless you're Conor Prunty <laughs> yeah I suppose like you're trying to win the foot race with him because like we said they had that space in front of him and I, you know I would encounter it with the likes of um, Shamie Callan and stuff you're sprinting out but when you're getting there if you're marking a, let's say a corner forward or a full forward who wouldn't be as physical when you run out there it's literally you can get into hurl and get a flick but these boys once they get out there they spread themselves and they, the shoulders go out yeah. and then so the next time you're going out for that 50-50 ball you're kind of saying well I can't be standing beside him because he's going to let it break through he'll put the arm out let the ball break through and now he's running onto it and that's when you see the cornerbacks or the fullbacks standing that yard behind him and now they're a yard behind him it's the place you don't want to be you want to be out in front winning the ball so their physicality allows them that if you arrive to the ball with them and you're standing beside him they put out the shoulders they put the arm out they let the ball break through they catch it they do whatever so now you have to change your tact. And what's your tact? Playing from behind. Yeah. Sure, that's not the place to play the it's forward. Just the natural from. strength of them yeah. makes you do that. Yeah. Like I mean, uh, Austin Gleeson, Damien, like he had three shots at goal. Three of them were half chances, probably at best. The first one was definitely not on. He went for it anyway. They, they spoke before the game. You know, we everybody knew knew they needed goals. He caught a brilliant puck out and ran in. I thought maybe that was his best chance of one. He didn't. He none of the three were struck with with huge power. No, no, they weren't, and. For 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 Waterford to win with the Lean Cal um, game plan, they needed to score goals, and uh, Ozzy was inside, and he did. He took he even once said he took a shot in the first half for a goal, and like I don't think there was ever a goal chance no. on. It was like he to take me his pint. He was a long way out. Like he scored four pints, so he did uh, three from play, and he and he got the long range uh, long range free. So he did, but um, I suppose he, he caught one ball there, and would say very close into the, the game, and he snatched it over the bar. So he did, but. Um, no, for Waterford to have beaten Limerick and to really trouble them, they needed to score goals, uh, you know, because they have so many players back and behind the ball and they're trying that running game. But um, no, um, as I said to you, Nicky Quaid did a fine game against so did. Uh, Jamie Barron probably shot, was probably the closest shot for them to score yeah. a goal and it ricocheted off uh, Quaid's uh, helmet, so did. But yeah, no, they needed to score goals and... Um, they didn't get them. No, they definitely didn't get them. Like, I mean, Gleeson can be a little bit frustrating when you're at the game watching him mm. because for two or three minutes he could be in beside Hutchinson. Then he's out into midfield and then he's in the half hour. He's every, he's, he's, I don't know, has he been, is it the instruction or is he told mm. that you have a free role? I think sometimes when you're, when you're moving around too much, the game could pass you by. Instead yeah. of, if you have, imagine, remember when you'd be too eager and you're running everywhere. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was actually a feature of TJ Reid's, how he gets on the ball so much. He lands on, there's no breaking ball that he's not near. But anyway, yeah. that wasn't really Austin. Austin was more moving down, hope, you know, hoping mm. the ball's hitting his direction. Yeah. And it, it I don't know. He I don't know what the guidance is for Austin Lee yeah. in that situation. I don't know, like, oftentimes I, I'd see players and, you know, Brian would have done it over the years with us with, let's say, Owen Larkin, say, starting corner forward, but Owen, wherever you think you go, wherever you think you can do a bit of damage or wherever you see the on you go, is that the same thing with Austin Gleeson where they're saying, listen, Austin, you're a good enough player, you can play anywhere on the pitch, you go yourself. Or is it a kind of a case that what I think kind of could be happening would be, let's say there's ball going into full forward line, it's not sticking, we'll get Austin in there, but now there's not enough ball coming back in when Austin's actually in there, we'll bring him back to midfield, pull him back. I could be wrong in saying that, but yeah. it seems to be because, like you said, there's times where the game passes him by that he's, and I don't think it's his own fault, I think it's, he's put out midfield, he's put out wing forward, he goes in, and sometimes, sometimes it clicks and sometimes it doesn't, but like you said the other day, 
they seemed to move him and he wasn't but like he took he took shots as well the one he went for the goal I thought I mean I saw Joe Canning score one against us there a few years ago in 2012 it was in Leinster final but um, I don't like where he took the shot from I was kind of saying you can't be taking a shot from goal from there not Nicky Quaid you know Nicky Quaid will nearly catch that never mind stop it but yeah there was a few things with him he just seemed a, a small bit off the boil the other day but again it goes back to what you're saying what's the guidance what's he being told to do is he is he being told free free roll on you go or has he been told to go into these positions? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting one. I suppose at the end, Liam Cal wasn't too, um, you know, critical of his team or, you know, he just accepted. He says, overall, just a powerful display from Limerick, really physically commanding again, really good awareness of what they bring as a team, where every player needs to be, executed their usual plan of holding possession and being able to find the right man at the right time. And summed it up perfectly there, Damien. Like, I mean, when you look back, Waterford... Like, they'll play Limerick 10 times and they'll lose at least nine of them. The reality is the way they're playing at the moment, unless they get a few players back, they might be able to leave some more forwards up, whatever. Waterford have had a brilliant year and they've lost now two yeah. years in a row to a brilliant Limerick team. They've gotten to an all and final and an all and semi-final. There's lots of teams would be envious of where, you know, you wouldn't want to be too critical of Waterford. I don't think there's anything they could have done really yes, or on no, Saturday. No, no, I think, I, I think Liam Cal and his management team, Beavens, uh, from Tumivara, I think they've done a great job. Waterford didn't win a championship match in two years, so they didn't like it, which is hard to believe when you when you think of it. And the big challenge that Liam Cal had that Waterford team, in my opinion, were nearly brainwashed, right? Brainwashed in regards that they were realistically only playing with roughly about two to three forwards. Everyone else was back the field uh, playing this big sweeper role. And Cahal brought them back to playing 15 on 15. Now, maybe he brought back a sweeper, but at least he, he had forwards up front to try score. And I think Cahal has really improved them along with Beavens there with him like this. And he wasn't going to be critical of them. I think he gave, they gave the, a great display again this year. They got to an All-Ireland final last year. Got to an All-Ireland semi-final this year. Beat Galway, who everyone thought were going to be the only ones that might give Limerick a run for it like this. But and I've, been, I've been impressed with um, Liam Cahal. It should, like... If we call a spade a spade, he thought he'd the tip job, gosh, uh, a couple of years ago, and it didn't work out. And I still think he'd be he'd be mad to get the tip job, even though he said he wouldn't leave he wouldn't leave the Waterford job. But I think if the tip job presents itself, he'd take it. As uh, simple as that. And uh, he's proven himself as a as a very fine coach, and he's um he takes no nonsense. I'd say he 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 has no problem dropping lads if he does go into the tip panel. But that's his ultimate goal. His ultimate goal is a tip man, and he wants to be the manager of the tip the tip uh, senior hurlers and I think if he gets an opportunity he will take that job and, and he will uh, walk away from water and be able to walk away with his head held high saying that he'd done a fine job down there Yeah he'd be very hard to replace if that's what does happen Performance of the weekend so lads before we finish up I'm, I go, I'll give you a short list here lads Seamus Flanagan I thought when the game was four all after 20 minutes he was a big part of that six in a row mm. I think he got two of them and he was you know looking dangerous Kyle Hayes dominated the whole game like even mm. the flick at Patrick Curran at the end he never stopped yeah, like I mean yeah. dominated Jack Fagan and this is without any of his fancy stuff of mm. you know it was just a solid defensive kind of performance and I have Tom Morrissey down here who we spoke about seems to get on the move on the end how is he always free yeah yeah <laughs> just I want re- to do a player cam on him but you miss everything else <laughs> you like, miss everything else yeah yeah Connor Prunty I think uh, Sky gave the man of the match to Galan I thought Prunty gave Galan all he wanted of it to be fair yeah I mean like you were saying you named a few players there that I thought probably did a small bit more not to say sure obviously and Galan had a great game but you know Prunty you, Prunty had a great game against him and um, you know deserves great credit for that um, but look again yeah I, I like you said I, Kyle Hayes is 
is a is 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 a great call for that. Be just because, like we said, we're, we're probably expecting him to score this mad goal that he's going to score from sixty five yards out, running in solo. And what he does is all the other things. The block he got was absolutely brilliant. Didn't take his eye off the ball, broke it down, and like there, there was another stage as well where I saw him. Where I think it was maybe at that flick he broke down the ball and the ball worked itself out to midfield. Limerick got a free at midfield, but. Get, uh, Kyle Hayes was standing beside the man who got fouled at this stage but Kyle Hayes was the man who broke the ball down inside in his own 14 he just turned around and the athleticism of him to sprint out the pitch and we were talking about free in for Limerick and when we were looking at the free in here was Kyle Hayes out beside him and I just <laughs> said that's absolutely incredible that like how does he do this how could he so I, for me anyway Kyle Hayes had a, had, a, had a fantastic game Yeah I'd nearly go with Kyle Hayes Damien like, do we, the, the crowd are all at it when you're at the match he gets a ball in a bit of space and there's almost a, you know there's an expectation he's off yeah. and he, he fought the urge to overdo it because after what he did the last two games I thought this showed a lot of maturity from him to, he could easily get his head in the clouds and go look every time I get it now that's what the crowd want that's what I'm good at and everyone will be talking about me he didn't he gave the diagonal balls he went back to kind of you know the, he stuck with the kind of game plan without running away with himself I don't know I just thought that showed yeah. a lot of maturity Yeah I know, I know. And my cousin sure he's, he's, um, <laughs> he's so um, I know he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a brilliant player simple as that and not many players either lads like can go from centre forward back to wing back and just like butter on toast stuff like just fill in there like he was and like the truth of it is like that w- has nearly made this Limerick team that him going back wing back it has allowed Keane Lynch to go to centre forward orchestrate and stuff it, it allowed Peter Casey to come into the team Seamus Flanagan as well like this uh, you know so um, like it was a big call that time last year uh, by Kylie putting them back there but by jeez has it worked like the Kilkenny half back line is unbelievable lord the height of the three of them yeah. like that, and the middle eight is but um Ah, they're just a super team. Yeah, Limerick half back line. You're getting uh, obsessed with the Kilkenny team we'll that you, we'll played, that you, team. Play, you <laughs> played against. Right, performance the weekend, lads. We've gone way over uh, time, I'm sure, today. There was so much to talk about. I think we'll give it to Kyle Hayes. We'll go a little bit left field and give it to him for a brilliant all-round performance and to not get sucked into the hype of how brilliant he is, uh, potentially running with the ball um, and going forward. So congratulations to him. Right, that's it. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll do a show for you guys. Um, No matches next weekend, but we'll talk to you all on Thursday anyways. Good luck. No such thing as a media ban. We don't have a media ban. Ah, you do? No, we don't. A donkey eat and a donkey eat a palace. (laughs) He was massive. (laughs) Legs, ass, belt. But I burst out laughing. (laughs) 